Welcome to the Manchester Futurist Podcast. Gosh, it's been a long time since we did one of these. Well, the reason for the delay is that Rosie and I have been very busy and trying to find the time to have a constructive conversation either between ourselves or with a guest is proving rather tricky. Something uh, we've spoken about is maybe exploring the possibility of getting more people on board to help us. So if you're interested in helping us with our social media output uh, and our podcast output, as well as actually many other things, do get in touch. That being said, we do have some interviews recorded for your listening pleasure. Next month, we'll have a podcast with Dr. Anders Sandberg from the Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford. We had a very constructive and really interesting conversation, so make sure you tune in for that. But today, we bring you a conversation with legendary futurist Kevin Kelly. I met Kevin whilst in Budapest as part of Brain Bar Budapest. I was only given around eight minutes, so there was really no time to get into any depth. So instead, I went for a more ask-me-anything approach. I think I asked Kevin around five questions on a variety of topics, and he provided some insights. And now we bring you Kevin Kelly. What impact do you see AI, and more specifically machine learning, having to society? Well, I would say in general terms that the impact would be equal to the scale of impact that the first industrial revolution's artificial power, this this energy source, free or nearly free energy that enabled us to um, do things at a scale that we didn't before, that we automated everything and that in some ways affected every single aspect of our life. There's almost nothing we can think of in our lives that was not affected in some way by industrialization and automation. Um, and so what we're looking at now is a level of advancement, a level of disruption, at least as great as the Industrial Revolution was in the past. And AI, not this year, not next year, but over the next hundred years, will have a similar effect of transforming everything in our lives and culture and I have been having difficulty thinking of something that won't be affected in some way by AI from religion to fashion to sports food you name it and so um, so in brief there will be a huge impact it will affect the entire culture over time and um, it will unleash the kinds of opportunities and problems at the scale of the Industrial Revolution. I'm, I'm from the creative industry and often creative people say that you know, AI, you know, the computers aren't really good at the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that true? AI will have a, a huge impact on creativity in an indirect way. And, and um, one of the things that will surprise us is, is that creativity is a little bit more mechanical than we think and can be programmed into machines and code. Um, However, um, the kind of creativity that AIs will do will not be human-like and therefore that's their advantage and disadvantage. It's their advantage because 
in the business of being creative, you want to be able to think differently, and AIs will have a different take. That's good. Hmm. Its disadvantage is, is that when we are appealing or marketing to, or when humans are our clients, we humans have an advantage because we have an intuitive understanding of what works on humans, and the AIs won't. So our kind of creativity, the humans do, will be especially appealing to humans. It's kind of like telling a joke. AIs can tell a joke. They won't have a human sense of humor, so we won't find a lot of their jokes funny. Human comedians are really good at telling jokes. They're creative. But they're creative in a kind of a human way, and that's very deeply appealing to us, so they have an advantage. And so, um, uh, so that's the downside. So there's, there's kind of upside downsides to that artificial creativity. But it will be present, and um, in some ways, if we work with them, it'll be very profound. And we have mathematical <coughs> proofs for complex mathematical theorems that have a million steps in it that are beyond the human. But that mathematical proof is a creative act. Um, it's different than what we could do, but that's its advantage. So it's not going to replace human proofs, it supplements mm. human proofs. So you don't, you, don't, uh, you don't buy the argument that uh, AIs will replace human beings, you suggest that it's going to augment human beings. Right, the augment, and the augment human beings in the larger sense, but there will be many things that they do that we've never even thought of doing. So they aren't replacing us, they're simply doing something we couldn't do or had never thought of doing. So that's an augmentation in a different way. Mm. And there will be some jobs and tasks, of course, that they will replace us for them because, because we don't want to do them because, in fact, humans should be doing them. I think a lot of the jobs that people are fighting over, like minors, are simply jobs that no human should ever be doing. And we will look back and discuss that we it's like it's like uh, porters. I don't know if you ever had to deal with porters, but these are basically people who are performing the function of mules. They're carrying loads. This is a terrible, terrible job for humans. And worrying about the fact that cars replace porters is kind of disgusting because they shouldn't be carrying loads. This is a terrible job for humans. Of course, we want those jobs replaced. So there's a, most of the jobs that people are really concerned about are definitely jobs that should be replaced. Mm. You're, the, you're, you're aware of the fake news uh, phenomenon. Right, right, right. Um, how, how, what would your suggestion be to a response to uh, fake news? So, so I, I, I think what we need to implement into the internet is a, what I call a truth signaling layer that using AI and other kinds of things would um, be able to discern a consensus on uh, facts in a slightly like their probability. It's like this statement has a 96 probability percentage of being true, this one has a 68% probability of being unreliable. And that would be based on um, a network effect of uh, like they call it page ranking or citation indexing, where um, you would say, okay, um, the, the statement that London is the capital of England is pretty reliable because 
so many uh, other places say that, and their reliability is pretty high. Um, and so uh, you have a network, kind of a consensus coming out of the network, not any one person, but just the fact that other uh, facts refer to that fact in a reliable way by reliable sources, you could, uh, it, the system could assign a certain probability to that. And that that um, layer would become something that people could use to develop uh, a, a sense of the, you know, the reliability of different statements. That seems to me something that we could implement. Uh, just finally, um, one of my primary concerns is the right. ethics behind AI. Right. And um, yeah, the technology goes often so fast that uh, we can't keep up and we right, have to right, ask right. it. What, what kind of questions, uh, do you have any ethical concerns? Or I think there are absolutely huge, huge, huge ethical concerns. And I think... Does anything um, keep you up at night? Well, there's several things. Yeah, I, I think... Um, one of the concerns we have is whether we shouldn't allow um, AIs or robots to make the decision to kill somebody, okay, the kill decision. And um, at first glance, they're sort of like, you know, no, that's a bad idea. But there actually are some interesting arguments about why you might want to have a robot have to kill decisions. One is that because they're all programmed inward and everything, they're never going to commit a war crime. And secondly, uh, by displacing that responsibility onto them, it, it makes the, sort of the, the absurdity and the horror of killing anybody very, very clear. It's like, well, if, if we find it so terrible that they're doing it, why do we want humans to do that? Um, and so... Um, so it kind of illuminates the kind of uh, double standards and the hypocrisy that we have about war killing in general. Um, so these are ethical, these are just one example of many, many layers that we have of how do we instill values into mm -hmm. these systems and the complexities. And it turns out that actually it's not that difficult to program in ethical standards into AI systems. It's just code, it's just software. The difficulty is, is that we humans are terrible and inconsistent and not very deep in our own ethics. And so the difficulty is, is us coming up with a consistent, deep, robust ethics that we can transfer. Once we figure out what it is and we have some consensus, transferring it to them is pretty easy. And so the process is that in the development of trying to develop these ethical things that we can program in it, we realize, oh my gosh, we're terrible at this. But this is, we're actually going to get better at it by doing this. So this is going to be a case where the parent becomes better because they're trying to teach their children.